0: Welcome back to another edition of Billy West Live. Uh, Old friend Bob Mann joins Billy West Live. Bob, we've had you on before to talk about your writings uh, previously. You've written now, what, 13 books uh, coming out soon Kingfish You, Huey Long, and LSU. Why'd you write the book, Bob? Well, I I guess I wrote it because no one else had done it before me
1: and I couldn't believe it when I realized that no one had written this book. Uh, I got a call one day from a friend, Dan Bourne, who's uh, an old friend who used to work for Russell Long like I did and uh, is now the voice of Tiger Stadium. And he had some questions about Yui Long and LSU and the band particularly. and, And I started doing some research for him just to help him answer the question. And when I was, the first place I went was T. Harry Williams, biography of Huey Long, and when I read the chapter on Huey and LSU, it just struck me like a bolt of lightning that this was a book, somebody needs to write this book, and when I realized that it that it hadn't been written, I knew what I was going to be doing for the next three years. It's just one of those uh, times when the book finds you, you don't find the book.
0: Well, Bob, a lot of people may remember, but for a, a long time, you worked for Huey Long's son. Uh, former United States Senator Russell Long. You were his press secretary for years. In fact, that's where I met you in Washington, D.C. in the early 1980s. But you had a front seat uh, with RBL. I know that's what you referred to him as. You were very close to Russell Long. So you had to hear many anecdotal stories from Russell Long.
1: Yeah, you know, we talked about his his father a lot. In fact, one of the first things that I did when I went to work for Senator Long was uh, help him write the speech that he gave on the Senate floor on the 50th anniversary of his father's uh, death in September of 1985. And uh, so we talked a lot about his father. It was a it was a constant um, source of material for him. And I just regret that, um, that I didn't ask him as much as I wanted to or should have about LSU and, and his father. I, I did a little bit because I wrote a book about Senator Long, that was my first book, a biography. And we got into a little bit of of Senator Long's time at LSU, not so much his father's involvement with LSU, so I wish I could rewind the clock and ask him some of those questions. But, um, but when I began to do the research, I found a, a lot of material that uh, I was surprised how much uh, material, uh, interviews, recollections, memoirs, uh, newspaper stories, uh, original uh, archival documents that were um, available that helped me really put piece together the story of of UE and LSU.
0: Well, I just finished the book. It's a really fascinating read. Heavily footnoted, as you say, it's a lot of uh, really sourced information, a lot of newspaper article references, uh, historical pieces, and really, if you're an LSU fan, just a Louisiana politics fan, a Southeastern Conference fan, an old Southern Conference fan, an old Tulane fan, Uh, there are so many stories that are in this book that will fascinate the reader.
1: Well, thank you for saying that it there were a lot of you know when you say footnotes i was telling somebody this morning that i was really glad that whoever invented footnotes did it because there's so much in this book that is so insane and crazy that if that you know i think people would say he's making he's making that up that couldn't be true a governor and a, and a senator wouldn't you know wouldn't involve himself in the in the football team the way he, he would he wouldn't take over the band he wouldn't do this and wouldn't do that and um, sometimes I had to pinch myself. Is, are these stories really true? Did this did this really happen? And, and did it really happen right where I'm sitting writing this book? It just it was it was it was like a movie. It was like it was like it was just stranger than fiction. But um, it really happened, and it happened in L, at LSU in Baton Rouge. And um, it's to me one of the wildest. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the wildest higher education uh, history story. Um, that's ever happened, certainly in Louisiana, because it's just um, it's it's from from beginning to end, it was to me um, something that I it's hard to imagine it happening today. I had a friend who read the book and emailed me the other day. He says, it's just it's it's impossible to think that a governor and a senator could involve himself that much in the daily affairs of a football team, a band, and a university, and get away with it.
0: No doubt. the um, As a proud LSU graduate, I learned so much about the history of the buildings at LSU and the, the obvious uh, infrastructure uh, commitment that Huey Long made to LSU in the late 1920s, early 1930s that led to the proliferation of LSU to be the university it is today, but the names of the buildings, all the things. You brought life to so many buildings that I went to class in to learn who these people were that these buildings were named after. And then the story that you write about Huey Long taking the Corps of Cadets from LSU to Nashville and the newspaper articles from around the country that covered the seven trains that left from Louisiana, both from New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and Shreveport, To go to Nashville to support the LSU football team playing Vanderbilt, it's a fascinating read.
1: Well, it really was, and and you know, so you know, as as some readers who, uh, some listeners who may be vaguely familiar with this story, Huey um, not only took most of the student body and the cadets and the band up to um, to Nashville for the that that Vanderbilt game in October 1934, but he lent uh, thousands of dollars in seven dollar increments. I think, it was $6, $6, I think it was $7 increments, but anyway, it was, he, he lent a, a, a bunch of money to these students who, who uh, descended upon him in the Greek theater when he first announced that he was gonna do this. When he runs out of money, uh, he tells students and others to meet him, uh, to come to his hotel room at the Heidelberg Hotel in downtown Baton Rouge that night, and the line was out the door, people just standing in line, taking money from Huey Long and signing their name on an IOU on the back of a of, of laundry slips, um, it's just again, like I said a little while ago, it's just one of those stories that if you didn't if you didn't have the the record of newspaper reporters and others who were there to witness it, you wouldn't believe it. it really happened.
0: Well, Bob, you you document the history and like you say the hijinks. I'll use that term of of Huey Long and his. Um, craziness uh, of how he went about things. If he didn't like something, he wouldn't change the law or he proposed a constitutional amendment to give him power over someone who was crossing him. It's fascinating from a political perspective to go back and see just how he did business.
1: Yeah, and you know one of the things that he did was when in the when he wanted to to, to extend the uh, the campus that it is now because it was that campus was built the in the, um, the mid-20s by John Parker his one of his predecessors but when, when long got into office and wanted to start you know re-energize the building program at LSU and really expand uh, the campus and put his own mark on it um, there the money for that just wasn't there uh, this was a, this was the, the beginning of the Great Depression and so one of the one of the rules that he bent w- one of the corners that he uh, that he cut was uh, coming up on this idea to sell the property of the old LSU campus, which was where the state capital is right now, and sell that property to the, to the state highway department. And it was a legally dubious strategy. He had people tell him that it, was, that, that it, that it, that it wasn't legal, that he was going to get sued and, and um, that it would get reversed. And his attitude was, well, let's sell the property as fast as we can, spend the money, so if we lose the lawsuit, they can't get the money back and it was you know that kind of stuff that resulted in LSU being the school that it is today but it was sort of built upon some you know some 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 craziness that uh, that probably wouldn't that he couldn't have gotten away with today but he did it and People like you and me reap the benefit.
0: Well, and then, you know, the history that you chronicle in this book of actually moving the campus from downtown Baton Rouge, where the Capitol complex is now, the the Pentagon barracks that most people recognize, was part of the LSU campus, and it moved the the three or four miles south on Nicholson. Nicholson wasn't even a paved road. You document that in the book when LSU moves south three miles. But then how he borrows money during the Depression— to make all these improvements and to buy that uh, plantation just south of LSU that added an additional, I think, 243 acres to the LSU campus now, which is the a lot of the physical plant at LSU. It's a fascinating historical perspective.
1: Well, and, and what makes it more interesting to me is when I discovered in this, I'm not the first person to chronicle this, but I think I'm the first person to, to, to unravel it to the extent that I have, and that is that in 1924, Huey Long ran for governor uh, on the platform of a, uh, partly, uh, part of his platform was opposing uh, the expansion of that campus where it is now. He called it John Parker's Temple of Vanity. He wanted to keep the LSU. Uh, he wanted to keep LSU where it was, where, where you say the Capitol Complex is now. And he ran against the expansion of LSU. Fast forward uh, five or six years later, he is the, the the biggest champion for the expansion of that of that university and found the money to do it in the in the in the depths of the Great Depression, which I think makes it all the more incredible.
0: Well, had he not been assassinated in the fall of 1935, uh, many believe he would have challenged FDR in 1936 and been a formidable uh, opponent, and he was using LSU and his shenanigans and his antics, whatever you want to call them, to bring publicity to himself. All over the country, you mentioned his not only support of LSU football and the building of Tiger Stadium and the expansion of Tiger Stadium, but his love for the LSU band and hiring uh, you, you know the band leader from New Orleans that came in and was so integral for only the last six months of his life. But he used all those things, Bob, to promote himself politically.
1: He used it to promote himself and the university. That's right, and uh, it was all about creating a spectacle. He, I think he, you yeah, know, he was he was clearly a showman, he knew what people wanted, he knew how to, he, he knew how to uh, attract a crowd. Um, and he used the band and he used the football team and he used his, his presence uh, at away games, and at home games, but at away games to attract a lot of people. When we were, we were talking just a little while ago about the Nashville trip. One of the ways that he, he helped build a crowd in Nashville to come out and see LSU and the band and all that was that he uh, sort of uh, played around with the rumor that he might be announcing for president. Uh, while he was in Nashville. He didn't do that, but there were enough people who thought he he would that it attracted even more attention to the trip.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And then as you, you read the book and you you just get all the way through it, you know, I, I came away at the very end when you chronicle his assassination and his last words, whether or not there was his actual last words, but to even think if it was possible for him on his dying bed to say, how am I going to take care of those boys from LSU? Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but did, did you come away convinced that he actually said that or not? It, it, you kind of leave it in the book as to whether or not that actually happened or not.
1: I don't think he did. I think it's I think it was a myth that was created by the people around him who 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 saw um, the political value of associating themselves with Huey and with LSU and, um, and mythologizing Huey and his death and um, I don't think I think you know I think the, uh, Richard Lesh and some others uh, were pretty clear that he was in a coma for most of that time that there that his worth that his his, his last words were were probably pretty pretty simple one there was a nurse I think who said his, his last words was I need to get up and go to the bathroom yeah um, so I don't think that he he said those dramatic words but I, the point I made is that LSU was never very far from his mind. Um, He was always thinking of LSU and and, and, and in his pocket when he died or in his pocket when he was shot in in his personal effects was a gold watch that the student body had given him in in appreciation for organizing that that trip to Vanderbilt and he carried that around in his in, in his, uh, in his pocket he loved LSU and he loved the fact that students appreciated his support for LSU it really was never far from his mind it's not hard to believe that he wasn't thinking about the school uh, on his on his deathbed but I don't think he said those words.
0: Well again for LSU fans in general just Louisiana politics uh, observers uh, you know, anyone who likes football, anyone who likes bands, this is fascinating. And, and Bob, uh, you've done it again. You, you, you've been a, a fantastic author. You've written many successful books. And I know you, you wrote the book about Legacy to Power about Russell Long. And I know it had to give you great pride and, and pleasure to write this book about Russell Long's father. And, and Bob, it's just uh, a, an immense treasure that you've presented to uh, people in Louisiana.
1: Well, thanks, Billy. It was the uh, I'm, uh, I've written a lot of books, and I've had a lot of fun writing these books. But this, this was the most personal and um, the most fun of any of any non memoir book that I've written because it was just a blast. Every page was, was a new revelation, and it was so much fun because I was writing the book on the LSU campus about about this campus that I've worked where I've worked for 18 years. It was just it, it was just a privilege to be able to to, to document this history. I really enjoyed it.
0: Bob, for our listeners, how do they get uh, a copy of Kingfish U, Huey Long and LSU, written by Robert Mann?
1: Well, uh, right now you can get a signed copy from me, a, a personalized signed copy at kingfishu.com, or you can uh, go to your local bookstore, you can or you can go to the LSU Press website, or you can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble website and buy it there.
0: Well, for our listeners to Billy West Live, I, I, it's just a wonderful, light Entertaining, educational, fascinating read. I can't say enough good things about it. I appreciate you sending me an advance copy, and it's great to have you back on Billy West Live, Bob. Always great to visit with you. As politics heats up this summer, we'll have you back on to talk again.
1: I'd love to do that, Billy. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for your kind
0: words. You bet. Bob Mann has been our guest. uh, He's the author of Kingfish U, Huey Long, and LSU. Bob Mann has been our guest on Billy West Live.